0: What's up, adultish fam? It's Nige, and I'm so excited to tell you about Radiotopia's newest show, The Recipe with Kenji and Deb. Kenji and Deb are two of the best home cooks alive. Jay Kinji Lopez, Alt, of the food lab and the wok, and Deb Perlman of Smitten Kitchen. Honestly, me and my wife both work from home, and so I do all the cooking in the house, so I end up having to come up with a lot of recipes just on the fly. And so when I'm looking for recipes, I usually just go to Google. But now I know that I could just go to Deb and Kenji if I have any recipes that I want to cook for a fire dinner. These pros obsess over techniques and essential ingredients, so you learn everything that you need to create your perfect dish. You can finally be excited to eat what you make and maybe even impress your friends and family. Help us welcome the newest show of the Radiotopia family, Find the Recipe with Kenji and Deb on your favorite podcast platform starting February 26th.
1: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company & Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy.
0: Welcome to Adultish, produced by YR Media and brought to you by RadioTopia from PRX. I'm Nige Turner.
2: And I'm Dominique French. And this week, we're discussing the long-standing myth that Black people are naturally athletic. Nige, I know you played some sports ball back in the day.
0: Yeah, big, uh, big sports ball guy, uh, <laughs> people, people call me.
2: Uh, Nige Sportsball Turner is what I <laughs> <laughs>
0: always called you.
2: So, that being established, did you have any experiences with racial stereotypes in
0: sports? Uh, yeah, I'd say the first time I remember there being any real like, stereotypes was in fourth grade, I transferred schools uh, to a new school where I was one of like three black kids at the school. And I ended up seeing the basketball coach like as I was walking, you know, through the hallway. And he just like, he didn't know me. First time he's ever seen me. He's like, wait, you're coming to basketball tryouts, right? And I was like, "Uh, sure, (laughs) for sure. Like I'll pull up to basketball tryouts. (laughs) And I mean, like, it's not like I was super tall or anything like that. Like, I was one of the shortest people in my class. <laughs> um, and so, the literally, the only reason why he was, like, so set on me being on the basketball team was because I was black. Now, I remember that was the first time I ever felt weird. And I, I remember I was in fourth grade feeling weird about it. And then, you know, there's, like, countless other times. Like, I, I remember in high school, the wrestling coach, like, he would make comments. I wasn't even on the wrestling team and he would oh make God. comments like as i would be like walking by and he'd be like, oh man, look at those long arms. Like, like, look at like for your height, like your arms are almost like down to like your knees almost. Like that's perfect for, perfect for wrestling. And like, look at, so look at, scary. look at like the muscle in your arms and the woo and all the, all of these things. And um, it was, yeah, it was strange.
2: Jeez Louise. Yeah. So I despite the fact that you would look at me and think, Dom, that's a natural athlete (laughs) because of my my height and grace, (laughs) Um, I am not a natural athlete, so I did not have those experiences. Um, But I'm so sorry that people were literally eyeing you up as you like walked (laughs) past your locker to like third (laughs) period and there's like a grown ass man who's like your forearms that's
0: terrible (laughs) i'm so sorry it was really weird even playing basketball in high school and stuff like that too was you know people were making comments about uh like other kids would make comments saying like i wish i was black because if i was black i'd be able to play like like if i was black I, i could do it too and it was just like, all right, like, or you could just practice. Um, but honestly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, but I also was thinking like when I was recently watching Get Out, there's like a line in Get Out. The movie where, mm-hmm. uh, the the brother is like, yeah, like with your with your natural muscle and genetic makeup, you could really become like a beast. And I was like, that's like exactly, almost word for word, what what that. Coach Jordan said Peele
2: was uh, <laughs> <laughs> was dropping someone off that day and stood right behind you he as that gym teacher. No, but no, it's but funny because people think that's, that's like an truth. exaggeration,
0: but like. People it's be, not. It's not an exaggeration
2: that? at all. People do say things like that all the yeah. time. But like, I mean, you,
0: like you had said earlier though, like I know you're not very into sports yourself. Unless
2: um, it is women's artistic gymnastics. <laughs> yeah. Of how course. can I forget? How can
0: I forget? Yes. Of course. Of unless course. it is women's artistic gymnastics. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, what brought you to create this episode?
2: Yeah. So I think when I was about 18, I didn't understand how it was racist to think that someone was good at something. And the more I learned about the myth of Black natural athleticism in particular in anthropology classes, the more I realized how it completely disregards Black athletes' tireless work and careful planning and just like their sports prowess. And I also think because I wasn't an athlete, like I (laughs) Literally, I played peewee soccer and broke my arm like two weeks into it and like still went to the practices. So they made me MVP. <laughs> <laughs> like that's my sports lot in life that I, I can't relate to it. And that makes it really compelling to me because it's so different from my path in life.
0: Mm. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, when you say that, it makes me think of like, Like what, Hitler saying that like black people had like an extra like like Now what about what I said made you think about Hitler? (laughs) So when you're when you're talking about uh when you're talking about people naturally thinking that black athletes' yeah accomplishments are accredited to just like them being black, like yeah, that that stuff you can trace that back to Yeah, literally, yeah, Hitler's comments about that. And so like when people say those things today in like our society, like Kind of quoting Hitler, big dog. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Quote Nige Turner instead and say you're kind of quoting Hitler, big dog. No,
0: what, I, I think a lot of people don't realize like how all of that stuff really traces back.
2: What are we doing in athletics today when it comes to black people? If we're not recreating some of the most heinous things we've ever seen and done in our history to black people?
0: Yeah. I mean to talk about this like a little bit more i thought it would be really cool to bring my cousin on uh, <laughs> former ncaa basketball player sharon darlene washington barnes to uh talk about the myth of black athleticism and how it has affected her over the course of her career
2: Did you ever find that you were treated differently, especially because you were like a predominantly white? (laughs) I feel like I know the answer, Uh, but (laughs) speak on (laughs) how you may have been treated differently than your white or non-black counterparts.
1: Oh, yes. Uh, I actually was just talking about this with uh, a friend of mine the other day because she's raising a young black girl in the same area. But. um, Oh, yeah, that one, that one, I think, sort of still comes up today and as far as like emotions because I initially was tokenized. Mm. Um, I didn't necessarily know, but my family always sort of prepared me for the aspect of folks will use you until they get what they need from you sometimes. And then when they're done with you, they'll treat you differently, especially being a uh, a black girl uh, or just a black person in general. And then you add the predominantly white space. and so at first, everybody, everyone doubted, but then once they saw the skill and, and um, you know, how I excelled in the classroom and in other, other aspects, everyone loved me, everyone wanted to be my friend, everyone, you know, I'm invited to the sleepovers and a part of all the teams and all the things, right? Um, Coaches were, oh, I love you and you can do no wrong type of thing. I mean, there were things that I probably shouldn't have been able to do in high school, like skip class. But I got away with it because I was the star athlete in multiple sports. Um, and then my senior year, once we got a championship and, uh, you know, there's nothing else they can get from me. I'm moving on to the next school at this point. I saw this the, the switch. Um, you know, folks were talking about me behind my back and from coaches to to old teammates to friends I lost friends throughout the process you know um I was being written about in the paper as a young girl I had coaches um white male coaches of other high schools talking about me in the paper um I mean you it it was it was bad I mean they used to have like the police come to the games not because of me or how I acted I was a model citizen mind you but (laughs) they used to have like police coming to the games and everything just because of how folks would talk to me um and because I was The only black girl on varsity team as a freshman coach had never coached a black girl before. So we go out of town to a town that's even more predominantly white. And I didn't realize it then. And they're like, Sharon, you're going to get off the bus last and walk in the gym with two coaches as the escort. Usually you get off the bus, you walk with your teammates, coaches are behind you talking, doing whatever. I'm like, all right. And then I realize we're in Sonora, California. And I used to see little black girls, and they uh, were not excited to see me.
0: Were you ever taught, like, just in your whole, like, athletic career, like, how to translate your skills to a career post-basketball? Do you feel like there was a lot, or do you feel like that was, um,
1: you know, something that could like more It never—that never came from coaches— it never came from, like, the basketball world itself. Um, it always came from my family. Um, my family always instilled in me that basketball is, like, your your second uh, choice. But going to college, getting a degree is always your number one because at the end of the day, even if you do go on and you go, go on to be this great athlete and you make it to the WNBA, which was my dream at one point... Um, that's going to end at some point. And so you need something to fall back on.
2: How do you feel in the modern moment people discuss black bodies and black people in sports?
1: I I don't view it as too much of a difference between um slavery. And I know people like frown up their face when people compare sports to like slavery. But some of the comments are the same, especially for the males, um, you know, when you think of when our ancestors, unfortunately, were, you know, uh, on the, what do you call it, selling blocks. And, you know, the types of comments that come up are, look at these big feet, um, look at those 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 big, strong hands, uh, look, like those those wide childbearing hips. Right. Um, all of those things. And so then you t- you you translate that over because in my belief, it, nothing necessarily changed. It just transformed. And so you you translate that over to the sports world. And I mean, when you're watching the NFL uh Combines. Uh, what are you hearing? How high can he jump? How fast can he run? How big? How big are his feet? How athletic is he? You know, um, we're measuring uh, wingspan.
0: Um, how have people ever racialized your skills personally?
1: Oh, I mean, you can only do that because you're black. Yeah. <laughs> or you know, you're, you're, she's she's just athletic. It doesn't matter what she does. So let's just go out there and have her you know, run the 300 hurdles when she's only ever, she's never ran hurdles before in her life. But let's go pick the most athletic person. Let's go pick the little black girl over there because, you know what I mean? I'm sure she can run. Um, that is how it showed up in microaggressions more so than just like outright blatant racism. It's the small, small comments of, you know, when I walk into a space and folks are like, oh, I bet you play, I bet you play sports. Like, I'm not even you don't know me. So I'm not dressed in any uniform. How how do you make that assumption? Um, Or I bet you're the best one on the team, you know, and like, yeah, I am. But I don't attribute that to the color of my skin. Like I work hard, but it was just always kind of like, oh, you don't really work for this. It just naturally came because Mm -hmm. of the stereotypes that we have of black people. And unfortunately, you know, there's comments of like. I know, you know, probably all of us have heard it, like the African booty scratcher comments, right? Like, oh, you run fast because you're, you know, straight out of Africa. Like, yeah, my ancestors are from the most richest land. But like, what does that have to do with right now that I just beat you in this foot race? Like, let's make it make sense. But yeah, I mean, I think I, I probably saw it a lot more being in that I grew up in a white space. When I was in Oakland, like, those were never the conversations that came out. We just out here hooping, like, at the end of the day. If you're good, you're good. If you're not, you're not on my team. Like... (laughs)
0: It's so funny that you say that because it's like anybody who's ever played like any like type of pickup sports or whatever, you always know like the person who comes in there that usually looks like they're going to be the best. They, they, kinda, they're kind of always weak. Literally. <laughs> like whoever got the armbands and they're like all the, the extra gear on. matching you know? the matching <laughs> yeah, exactly. gear. Like
1: look, when I'm going to hoop, my shorts <laughs> don't match my shirt. The socks is looking crazy. Right. And I'm for sure <laughs> going to have on some Kobe's. But like at the end of the day, like I, I – I would literally, like, first day at, like, this new school in Manteca, and I it's P.E., and everybody wants me on their team. They never even seen me hoop before, but everybody wanted me, and I'm just like, why? And then looking back, like, it was clearly because of the stereotypes of Black people are just athletic. And, I mean, we are. We, 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 we are, you know, amazing and at the same time. I, I don't want to be looked at as, like, the token black girl like that that's that's just what it is
0: and also just so y'all know sharon is nice like
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah i definitely try i definitely try to be humble but like yeah i you know i still hold scoring record at my high school mantica high and i graduated in 2011 i got us (laughs) our first uh championship and it had been 11 years since we got that and then i the only one to get um a scholarship to division two school so i played at chico state for two years we won a conference championship my sophomore year there and then i ended up transferring uh to stanislaus and then i decided not to play my senior year um which all of that is a whole journey as well you talk about how these coaches play students and pretend to care about them when they really don't. But, but yeah, I mean, I'm nice. Yeah. I I like to think that like with the WNBA team coming to the Bay, like if they had open tryouts and I was in shape, I know for a fact I'm on the team. Like that's, that's the question.
0: What's going on adultish fam? It's Nige. And I'm going to tell you about this new show coming out. Before I get into that, I want to tell you about what black representation in media means to me. It means the world, really. It's the reason I am where I am and why I do what I do. And there were movies like Boomerang, like Love Jones, that even showed me that it was possible to be black and exist in these creative spaces. It might sound like a given, but when you see yourself represented on screen or in any forms of art, it allowed me a new way of looking at myself and what my life trajectory looked like. And there's the show out on NPR where the next generation of influential Black voices can be found. It's NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. You'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. From Bobby Shmurda to The Wire, Michelle Obama to Reparations, there's no limit of the range of Black Stories, Black Truth. I literally just got done listening to the Black film canon episode of Black Stories, Black Truth, and it really was amazing. I mean, I'm so glad that they championed Homecoming as one of the greatest Black movies of recent times. Beyonce really did her thing, so I love the show so much. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as varied, nuanced, and black as the country that we reflect. Stories should never be told about us, without us. Listen to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR wherever you get your podcasts.
2: So I wanted to touch on something that you mentioned really briefly, which was uh, you not playing your senior year in school. Um, If you feel comfortable, could you tell us a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, so I uh, started out at Chico State, like I mentioned, and I played there for two years. And leading up to that, I was having some some knee problems before I even left for Chico State. And i was going around to all these doctors and no one could figure out what was wrong. Whatever was going on wasn't showing up on MRIs, x-rays or anything. And I literally just one day woke up one morning. I could not move my left leg. Um but nobody could figure out what's wrong. Eventually I got my mobility back and I go off to school. And then within uh, my first year at Chico State, I was doing very well Um, and the knee pain began to come back. And so that summer before my sophomore year, went to a doctor. They were able to figure out what was going on. Uh, my patella tendon was out of place. Um, and so it was completely like moved to the side and, and I couldn't, couldn't walk or run at that point. Um, and so I go back to school and I'm like, all right, coach, um, I think it's a good idea for me to have surgery and red shirt this year. And the coach is like, no, we really need you this year. Can you, you know, hold out and have surgery at the end of the season? I'm a young 1920 living my dream on scholarship and the coach tells me we need you like yeah that's a lot of pressure and at the time I didn't necessarily have the confidence or the know-how to 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 advocate for myself so I right, yeah you need me what I'm finna, oh I'm going to be getting buckets then like let's go I'm in excruciating pain the entire season. And I mean, I can barely walk after games. I mean, every night I'm, I'm crying. My te- my teammates are witnessing like what's going on. And, but I'm I'm showing up for practice because I'm, I'm on scholarship. I gotta get, I gotta be there to get this education. So I'm damaging my body. Um, we're talking about bodies, Dom. Like I'm damaging my body for the sake of a sport that I get no profit out of. So I'm like, hey, I'm gonna have surgery. I'll be back. Like, you're not gonna defeat me. I'm I'm coming back and I'm gonna play.
2: What do you hope to see change in sports for Black
1: athletes? Ownership. Mm -hmm. Uh, I would love to see more Black ownership in these professional teams, as well as coaches being more authentic, transparent, and real with their players. Um, You know, coaches will lie to their players. Coaches will put their players in circumstances that no child, because if we're thinking about it and when you're playing under a coach and you're not a professional, you're a child. And no child should be questioning going to class over going to practice or, um, you know, staying staying home. I mean, staying at the school over Christmas break and not having anything to eat, but the coach is making sure you have practice every day, but not making sure you're eating every day. Um, and I think just empowering and educating Black Uh, athletes that are up and coming to know how to advocate for themselves, to know how to tell the real from the fake when it comes to these coaches or how to play the game, right? Um, Because at some point you all, you got to play the game a little bit at some point. And especially if you want to go through the collegiate system, you have to know that, okay, this coach may smile in my face right now, but when I'm playing bad, how do they treat me? When I'm not being productive, how do they treat me? When, you know, my my grades are bad how do they treat me that's what actually matters how a coach shows up for you when you're not providing something for them and so i think just more empowerment which is why i love being able to share uh my experience because i know there's other little girls just like me that are gonna need to hear it and going to need to know that when that coach comes to you and says to put off something you need for your own health you never take it you always do what you got to do for yourself and uh you know, whatever, whatever comes with that will be, it'll it'll all work out for your good at the end. Is there anything else that you'd like to plug? I mean, honestly, it's, it's crazy because and I try not to get emotional, but just in general, all the questions, y'all, I I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have been an athlete if it weren't for my brother. And so, um, y'all asked me, you know, I started playing when I was five, but I played multiple sports. I've, You know, basketball, baseball, baseball, baseball was actually my first and primary sport, Um, baseball, basketball, softball and ran track. But all of that started because my brother did it first and I was just like, oh, he's so good. And so my athleticism and my skill came from me having him and him to train with and look after. And so Change for Sean is a nonprofit that my family and I started back in 2019 after I witnessed the death of my brother um, due to medical negligence and systemic racism in healthcare, Um, He was a 29-year-old father-to-be who was left in a Kaiser emergency room for over eight hours as he struggled to breathe and help never came. And so everything that I do, I mentioned my brother. And so it was funny when Nigel came to me and he said, we want to do this podcast episode on... um, Black athleticism. And I'm thinking like, you want me, but like the best person to to have been there would have been my brother. And so I was like, I got to make sure I plug a little bit. And so Change for Sean is a nonprofit that we started in his honor that works to advocate, educate, and empower the Black community to know their rights within the medical system. Um, to know how to advocate for themselves, as well as what steps to take if they've experienced medical negligence. And so we do everything we can to just spread the word on Sean's story and use it as a catalyst to create change. Um, Change for Sean literally is creating change in his honor. And so we've thankfully been a part of two bills that have been signed by Governor Newsom to get laws changed because like I said, it is systemic and there are laws that are in place that are... Allowing these things to happen and be swept under the rug. And so, like I said,, uh, I wouldn't be the Sharon Washington that went on to play in college or to just be who I am today if it wasn't for him. so I, I would have been remiss if I definitely didn't shout him out. So
0: where can people where can people follow and how can people get involved in? in
1: the- yes. um, so we are on. Facebook at Sean's Legacy and Sean is spelled S H A W N. So, Facebook at Sean's Legacy. We're on Instagram at Team Shawnee. It's just the E at the end, Team Shawnee. Um, you can also follow my page, which is uh, Queen Rennie on Instagram. And then our website is changeforshawn.com. You can go on our website, read more about Sean's story.
0: Thank you so much for, for all of that. And thank you for coming on the show. Like it really yeah, means a ton yeah. and you gave, like, you did amazing. So yeah. Thank you for, for everything.
1: No, but yeah. Thank y'all. That was fun. Sure. Thank cool. you so much. You're <laughs> thank perfect
2: you. for this. I feel like oh, thank I, you. I, I
1: just, every time I just like, oh,
2: I have a cousin that blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay, let's get like, I just, cause. And then like, whenever they come on, it's like, like the friend, the cousin, whoever is like perfect. It looks so qualified. <laughs>
0: You can follow Change for Sean at Team Sean E on Instagram. That's T-E-A-M-S-H-A-W-N-E. And ChangeForSean.com. That's Change4Sean.com. number four, And that's Sean with no E. And you can stay up to date with everything that Sharon is doing on Instagram at QueenRennie underscore.
2: It was so eye-opening to see how much sports have given and demanded from Sharon. It's one thing to know for a fact that Black bodies are not cared for as they should be in athletics, but it's another to look in someone's eyes and see how much they love a game, but hear how much their coaches have let them down. Sports can provide so much, but it shouldn't have to be at the expense of Black youth.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. And I think people feel like it is a compliment when they're being amazed with someone's body or their culture and how it affects them in seemingly positive ways, uh, whatever that may be. But I hope that after listening to this episode, people can come to realize that the historical context behind doing that, especially in this country, makes you feel like more of an object than anything, Mm -hmm. even property. It's not okay to do that. It's not okay. Compliment people as humans, and don't just attribute their accomplishments and their hard work to their genetic makeup. Adulter's is produced by YR Media, a national network of young artists and journalists creating content for this generation. Our show is produced by Shaylin Martos, Dominique French, and by me, your boy, Nia Channel.
2: Our engineer is James Riley, and our audio engineering fellow is Christian Romo. YR's podcasting director and EP is Sam Chu.
0: YR Senior Director of Podcasting and Partnerships is Rebecca Martin. Our interns are Menelik Ransom and Jalen Black.
2: Original music for this episode created by these young musicians at YR. Christian Romo, Anders Knutstad, Noah Holt, Jacob Armenta, Chaz Whitley, Michael Diaz, Sean Luciano Galarza, and David Lawrence. Music direction by Oliver Cuya Rodriguez and Maya Drexler.
0: Art for this episode was produced by the youth co-led design team at YR Media, creative direction by Pedro Vega Jr., designed by Marjorie Massacat, and Brigido Bautista.
2: Project management by Eli Arberton.
0: Special thanks to Jasmine Burton, Siobhan Graham, Danielle Conley, Kathy Chaney, and Kyra Kyles.
2: Adultish is a proud member of Radiotopia from PRX, a network of independent, creator-owned, listener-supported podcasts. Discover Audio with Vision at radiotopia.fm.
0: And If you haven't reviewed our show on Apple Podcasts, please be sure to do so. Five stars is much appreciated.
2: You can also follow us on all the socials at YRAdultish. And on that note, we'll see y'all on the b-ball court. I'll be handing out lemonade.
1: (laughs) Radiotopia from P.